Kowalski analysis, Kelly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, let me introduce you so everybody knows who you are. Great. Uh, K.A.Y. Pitch is a Christian writer, speaker, and athlete inspiring people to courageously persevere through challenges to reach their big dreams and better their lives. She's published multiple articles and devotionals. Her book, 10 Iron Principles, was published by Ambassador International in September 2019. And she's a contributor in the book, The Power to Make a Difference, published in January 2020 by Lighthouse Bible Studies. 10 Iron Principles is a memoir about perseverance and salvation through playing football on a boys' junior varsity team and her road to the Ironman triathlon. Kay Wypitch is a graduate of the University of Michigan, Go Blue, and works as a surgical physician assistant in Baltimore. You can subscribe and follow her at K-A-Y-Pitch. That's W-Y-P-Y-C-H dot com. And uh, her slogan is never quit the five limits, courage up. Welcome yes. to the Kowalski analysis. <laughs> Thank you so much for that introduction. It Isn't is. It I was watching uh, your uh, podcast with T.C. Stallings and he said the same thing. It's like, it's really weird to listen to someone read a bunch of yeah. you know, say all that stuff about you. You know, yeah. it's true, but it's just kind of... <laughs> Makes you sound so impressive. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, I, I know who I am. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's yeah. been, um, you know, COVID has been a big change in the world, and in, especially, you know, I work in healthcare. So we're getting back to more normalcy now. So that was good. A little bit. I don't know how it'll pan out. You know, with lessening the restrictions. You know, we'll mm. we'll have to see. Crazy time we're living through in the world. Yeah, it really is. Crazy. Have you had to deal with much of that? Like many of the patients yourself, you don't, you're an anesthesiologist. I work in surgery, like actually in the operation itself. We stopped mm-hmm. surgery for a while um, because they were afraid that the hospital would get overrun. And yeah. so then they deployed us to other departments. So I was deployed to internal medicine and to the ER and you get like a brief few day training and then you're seeing patients. So it was, it's just a whole different feel um but now we've restarted all our surgeries again and so we're testing all our patients so it's a little bit safer because for a while there we were doing emergency surgeries but we weren't testing anyone so you walk in the room and you have no idea if people are you know putting you or your family or friends at risk so it's a lot better now what a mess yeah so anyone that's out there watching doesn't know kelly and i go to the same church we go to epic in baltimore uh we both were in israel together at the same time you were kind of like my my wing wing girl for your photography director i think you were directing me more than i was directing (laughs) you (laughs) but anyway we were we were hanging out and uh we did take some good pictures though yeah they were they were good so before we get into the book uh because i definitely want to talk about that tell us a little bit about your journey your childhood let's start there what was it little kelly like how did you come to faith um yeah start there Little Kelly was pretty stubborn. She was a middle child. So they're very, my brother and sister are more similar. I'm kind of the one that's on the outside. So I always felt like I was kind of going against them all the time. Um, But they're wonderful now. And I grew up in a small town and was a, I was a smart kid. You know, I was like the kid that did well in class. And I didn't, we went to church, we grew up Catholic, but I didn't really have that relationship with uh, God and with Jesus until probably in my 30s, right about the time when I was training for the Ironman is when that happened. That was all like kind of a process together. But you went to church and you kind of check that box and 
didn't kind of understand. We, I went through all the, you know, confirmation and first communion and all those kinds of things. And then in college, I kind of stepped away. It was, I, I don't know, you're finding yourself, you're in your 20s, trying to figure out who you are, get some footing. And that just didn't seem like it was for me. At the end of my 20s, though, I really felt like that spiritual kind of gap where you're seeking something. You know, I don't know if you remember that, but like where you're you're trying to grasp anything because you're you were made for a relationship with God. And somehow the inside of you can sense that even though your brain may not understand it. So I started going back to church, just back to what I knew. And then ultimately um, I moved around a little bit and I landed in North Carolina in, you know, the Bible Belt and fell into a group of uh, strong women Christians who were awesome also. You know, that was the other thing is you think that Christians are these horribly boring people. And like, these were like awesome women. And they really showed me how to, you can have fun and, and then, oh, but also how to walk, you know, with Christ. Cause that's not something I had kind of seen in a daily, on a daily basis more. It was like, you know, you go to church on a weekly basis or you go to catechism once a week and Hey, then you're done. So they really helped me. That's awesome. Yeah. I think uh, I was, I thought it was weird when I first got saved. I was like, cause I was 27 before when I, you know, I heard God's voice for the very first time. And I remember thinking, wow, this is like, you, you could go through your whole life and never know the truth. Like you could literally be living in the matrix and yeah. you would, you could live your whole life and die and never know that you lived in the matrix. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's yeah. so it's astounding to me. Like, and people do, you know, they live their whole life and they never know if God was real or, you know, that he had a plan for their life. And that, that's so sad really when you think about it. Yeah. It's in the matrix too, where you get to choose, you know, once you're aware, you get to choose which you, you know, what place you want to go. And I, as hard as it is sometimes to, to walk with Christ, I, I wouldn't give up having God in my life. I wouldn't give up feeling that connection or being able to hear from him. I just, my yeah. life is so much better now. Yeah. I was talking to somebody about it the other day. I don't remember who, but I said, you know, I, I would always, I always wanted to know the truth regardless of how hard it is, because it is yeah. very much like taking the red pill where yeah, after you're aware of the truth, life gets harder because right. you, now you have to discipline yourself. And, you know, it's not about just living for the moment anymore. You're living for something eternal. So in many ways it is harder, but it's a lot, obviously more rewarding, you know, right on the road. Right. Not unlike exercise in a lot of ways. Right. It's a change in perspective. It's a change in um, where your priority is. Right. And so people could say, oh, you don't have fun because you're a Christian, but that kind of stuff isn't fun anymore. You know, the kind of connections I have with people, the realness, it's like, it's like I found my true self. You know, and even like what we're going to talk about in my book, that was just another step in like finding who I really am, Mm. you know, instead of like this kind of pretend version that you show to the world. So good. Yeah. Like I'm actually doing some more uh, work into this shadow. Do you know about the shadow, shadow self? (laughs) Anyway, I I don't know a lot about it. I know a little bit about it. I know that I was listening to a, a clip that somebody sent me today and the guy referred to it as the hurt locker, where basically it's where you put all the you know, all the negative feelings and everything like that was that. said, said bad to you, all the, that, that part of this yourself that you don't want anybody to see that sometimes comes out. It's like, right. this, it's called the shadow self. And it really is a lot of, you know, our journey in life is getting back to that true self. 
not the persona that you create to Matt, you know, to show people how great you are and how successful you are. I mean, I'm sure I have that. And it's like, what is the real me like? And how do I get to that thing? I'm doing more. I'm excited about like looking at it more because I have this nerve where like sometimes people say or do something and this thing comes out of me and I can't even control it. And I'm like, why? Yeah. You know, and I, I'm like, where's that come from? You know, I want to figure that out because it's not healthy. And, you know, anyway, so I digress, but yes, getting back to my, getting back to your true self and to challenge is to figure out what, who is that? You know, I, I, I was questioning myself recently, like, why did I want to be a stripper when I was 15 years old? Like, that's not normal. You know, why did I want to be good with girls? Like, you know, where did all that come from? I was trying to prove something or my insecurity or I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm, you know, on a journey to figure all that out. So anyway, I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but good though. yeah. So what's it like to be a published author? I was like the first question I wanted to ask you, I'm self-published. You're like really published with like a real <laughs> publishing company. I don't, I don't think there's a difference. Um, it was, it's a little bit more work to try to get traditionally published. And then you lose a lot of, you know, not rights, because I still have the rights to all my work, but a lot of things, they make decisions with me. But it was, it was a huge journey because I started, um, when I was training for the Ironman, I started recording on like a little like old school journalist recorder thing, like feelings and emotions so that I could go back and draw from them because I had a feeling I was going to write a book. I, you know, an Ironman, for those of you that don't know, an Ironman is a really long triathlon. It has a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then a marathon, 26.2 mile run at the end. So I spent a ton of time on the bike and I don't, I listen to headphones or books with books and music when I run, but on the bike, I don't because it's not safe. There's cars. And so, I mean, I would go out bike seven, eight hours by myself. And so, you know, God would really speak to me and I would write in my head. So I had a feeling, you know, that I was going to write a book, but it was 10 years between that Ironman and when it was published. So it's a long journey and you have to learn a lot. And I'm sure you know about this too, with doing podcasts, with your book, with city fam, like you start out and you realize how much you don't know. And then you just become a sponge, like sucking up all this information, like how, you know, social media and promotion and all that. You and I talk about that kind of stuff all the time, but you don't know any of that. Or like, you know, I had to submit a proposal, like the book was, I think, 58,000 words and the proposal was 12,000 words. Like I had to write a proposal about, hey, this is why you should ask me for my manuscript. And then, Mm. you know, they do. But it's it was it was a great process. It was a lot of learning. And I kind of enjoy that kind of picking up. Well, you like pain anyway. It's just, you know, you're a glutton for punishment (laughs) (laughs) because I, I do not like working out like for me, working out as a means to an end. If I could not do it and get the same results, like look and feel the same way, I would, I would I definitely, know, but you know, it doesn't work that way. I know, but you actually like, you like, I do. I do like running. I do like running. <laughs> oh, not me. Some people get that runner's high and they think like, you know, they're able to zone out and think about things. The only thing I think about when I'm running is how hard I'm breathing. Right. <laughs> you get beyond that. There's a point where you get beyond that. I've never been beyond it. So, um, so like when you first felt like you were supposed to write a book, tell me about that. Cause I know what it was like for me. I just want to hear like, did you feel like God was kind of leading you in that direction or. I honestly wrote almost the whole book in my head on the bike. 
like, cause it was just that much time of what else do I have to think about? And while I don't enjoy every long workout and I really like just running three miles a day now, instead of all the miles I had to run before, it was a, like a break, you know, I mean, we're just inundated all the time through social media, TV, people. And like, literally I had seven to eight hours or longer every week of just me out there silent with God in my thoughts. So it kind of rode in my head. And then someone at the church I was attending in North Carolina asked me if I would present in a small group. And then I did another presentation on the 10 iron principles somewhere else. And so I started writing the book, but then you get waylaid because you have to be really disciplined to write a book. Cause even though it's all in your head, actually coming up with the words and writing it down. And then the draft is always kind of sucky. And then you got to edit and edit and edit and edit. It's a lot of work. So then it kind of, I would do it and then I would, stop and then I would come back to it and I would stop so then finally it was like okay I got to decide that I'm going to get this done I got to set some daily writing goals and I got to turn it out otherwise this is never going to happen yeah the best piece of advice that's uh so basically when I felt like God might have been wanting me to write a book I was praying about it I wasn't didn't think I wasn't even sure if I could do it I mean I'd never I'm not a writer but I he started giving me some clear confirmations and um I hired a self-publishing coach and the best piece of advice. I didn't, I didn't hire him for long, but he did give me one really good piece of advice. He said, pub, get the cover designed, put up a one page website with a, with a, a button where people can buy it and pre-sell copies right now. And I was like, he goes, everybody buy He goes, most books are sold between now. And it was like November now and, and end of January. So I did it. And, and I sold a few copies and if it wasn't for me doing that, I probably would have never finished because it was so difficult. Like it did require a lot of discipline to the point where I remember when I was writing it, I forgot what, there was a point where I forgot what season it was. It was, it was, I didn't remember if it was fall or spring. I'm like, is it getting colder or is it getting warmer? I couldn't remember. Cause I was just like, you ever see that time to make the donuts commercial where he's running in and out? Like, that's what it, my life was like. I was just, uh, you know, and anyway. Yep. Got done. So yep. um, why did you want to write the book? Well, it's it's funny because going through like uh, playing football and uh, going through like the Iron Man, they're kind of like, they're difficult situations I had to go through. I mean, they were my choosing and a lot of us go through difficult situations we don't choose. So I'm not trying to lighten that, but it was a struggle for me to reach these goals, but it was also a dream, right? And I think that when we have those two things, we just have a high propensity to quit, to be honest with you. It's hard. It takes a lot of sacrifice, right? You have to sacrifice what you can have today for who you want to be tomorrow, Mm -hmm. right? And we were talking about that with working out. And it's like, you have to make a concession. And a lot of times we don't want to do that. We see the short game and we don't really see the long game. Mm, So Uh, so like I think about, the things I want to do in my life now, it's kind of like writing and speaking, but back then it was the Ironman and, you know, in high school it was football. It's like a stoplight dream. Like that thing that you start thinking about when you're at a long waiting period, or there's just like this really long stoplight on my way to work and I'll start sitting thinking. And I started noticing that in other people's lives, like they would say, like he said, I wrote a script or I've always wanted to write a book or I've always wanted to do this, but then they wouldn't ever do it. And you'd be like, oh, well, you should do this and this would be great. And then you never see it happen. So I started looking at what happens between the dream and the reality, between the dream and the result, the finish line. What, you know, how do you make that, that jump? And a lot of it is here. 
probably most of it is here. You know, the, our minds are so limiting and fear can be a huge thing. So the book is creates, it's a memoir. It tells about my whole story because I want you to feel that I'm credible. And, I, you know, I want you to see how I learned it, you know, rather than just the end product. But the 10 IR principles are 10 kind of perspective shifting, shifting applications to get through those difficult times, to get make past the point where you want to quit. Yeah, so, I, I love it. I want to I want to dive into the 10 principles. But the one thing that you were when you were talking, I was thinking about um, vision, you know, so I'm a big proponent of visualization where, you know, I launched a course here recently. And one of the things that I tell people to do is every morning, sit on the edge of your bed, close your eyes, picture your day as vividly as you can. And this is something that Lori taught me, Pastor Lori, right. Lori Lockamy. Um, but then picture your ideal life. Get it, get into a scenario as vividly as you can where you're walking into your, you know, your beautiful home and your wife is there with dinner ready or, and, and then like you just start to see this scenario where you're, you know, for me, I imagine I've imagined home a lot. I've seen city fan built out in different cities all, all over the world. And what it does is it reminds me, okay, yes, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be, that's when you're going to be really gratif gratified and you're going to be, you know, that's really going to be fulfilling. And then it, it fuels me up to the point where I can go into work and do all the tedious BS I need to do that day because I'm like, yes, that's where I'm going. So you have to continuously keep that vision in front of you. Cause like you said, it's so easy to just give up because it's hard, you know? Yeah. yeah because work it's, you know, reaching a dream or getting through something difficult. It's work. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, you played football and J JV football when you were what, 14, 15, you said? Uh, I think it was my sophomore, junior. So I think it would have been 15, 16, because I graduated at 17. So, yep. Uh, one of the things I was reading, I actually was surprised when I first read that you weren't very good, because I have knew you as being, you know, athletic, Kelly. You know, that's so like, funny. I think about that, because I moved to Baltimore six years ago, so everybody knows me as that, but I'm not that. Like, I, I mean, maybe I'm that now, but like, I never was that. Like I, I was never super athletic. I rode the bench in volleyball and <laughs> softball. I was a terrible football player because I'm tiny and not very fast, but like it was, I was never good. I barely could run. I was like you, I felt like I was die all the time. I hated to run. It was like the worst thing. And then like my life did this 180 and everyone here in Baltimore knows me as, you know, the way I am now. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool though. Cause it wasn't natural. You had to persevere through it to get to that point. Yeah. You but said you one, build it. you can build it. If you want a different career, if you want a different path in life, you can build it. Like literally everybody here thinks I'm athletic. Like I don't, but they do. And I never was for, you know, 30 years of my life. So. Yeah. And I love, I love the saying. Maybe my favorite saying is it's never, never too late to be who you might've been, you yeah. know, like you can totally reinvent yourself at any time you want. All you have to do is make the decision. Yes. You know, one of the things you said in the book <clears throat> where you were talking about, uh, usually you went in during the third or the fourth quarter and uh, you said you didn't care. I wasn't very good. I didn't expect the team to sacrifice winning for me. Not everything is about, not everything is about being good. Sometimes it's just about being. Yep. So what do you mean by that? Well, it's just like the Iron Man too. Like, you know, there's a winner in an Iron Man, right? Like I was never going to be a winner. Like I never had like that wasn't something that was ever going to happen. Sometimes it's about finishing, right? Sometimes it's about getting done. We, you know, we can set 
goals for ourselves and you want to set a reachable goal and I never want people to dumb down, right? You always want to go as high as you can. But sometimes it's about just getting in the ring too, you know? It's like my favorite quote, the credit goes to the man in the arena. You have to get in the arena to, to be that guy. You know, you have to be willing to step in it. You have to take the risk. So even to make it on the football field, even to make it into the Ironman race, I had to risk a lot. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, oh, well, I could never win. I can never beat that guy. Sometimes it's not about that guy. It's just about you, you know? So sometimes it's just about getting in it, being willing to just put yourself on the line. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Like, I, I've heard a saying a while back. It says it's so much easier to criticize than create. Yes. You know? And you see a lot of critics, especially now. You yeah. see people that are so critical of everything, but they're not creating. They're not people that have actually won out and sacrificed. I was, I, I often reference a, a clip I saw by a guy named Damon Dash, who used to be Jay-Z's uh, business partner. And he said, when you're doing your thing, you don't have time to criticize other people because you're right. so focused on your thing and your hands are so full and you're just so overwhelmed with it. You don't even have time to look at other people and worry about what they're doing. Right. So when right. I see somebody that's criticizing, it's, they're always doing less, you know, because if you just worried about running your race, you wouldn't have time to worry about the next guy. Right. You know, and that's what I encourage people to do. Just like you said, just get in the game yourself. Yeah. Keep your eyes on your own paper. That's what yep. I like. Yeah. I love it's it. All about, it's all about what you're doing, you know, because, and I mean, I have to struggle to find more time, like um, not watching TV and staying off social media. I have a little limit on my Facebook. It goes off. I can't use it after 30 minutes for Facebook. Like it just every day. Cause it's like, I have so many things I want to do. I've started two other books. I'm, you know, almost finished with the Bible, corresponding Bible study to 10 iron principles. Nice. Like I can't, I don't have time to do everything. So I got to start weeding out this crappy stuff because it's, I have no, it serves me no benefit. So I love it. Yeah. Small group. That'll be awesome. I'm interested. Yeah. My publisher was too. So I was happy. About that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, I did a small group for why waiting works. And I think it's, it's been a keto getting the book, you know, read by a lot of different people and it really builds community, which probably is very important for people that they're going to take on the challenges of life. They need the support of other people, you know, to yeah. deal with. So that's Definitely. great. What are the other books about? Uh, well, the one is about study. The other one is um, it's about how to overcome what holds you back. Cause I mean, going through all of these things, God has used, First of all, God doesn't do all these things with me so I can be a good athlete. It's a, just the, the classroom he chose to teach me. And, you know, I've, there's a guy at church. He's like, I'm really glad God doesn't call me to run that far, you know, but it's not about that. But the lessons, like the lessons I used in the Ironman are the same lessons I had to use to, to complete the book, you know, like the, the way to persevere, the way to get through, the way to make a plan and execute it, how to overcome your own barriers. Like those are the same regardless of the situation, they're the same when I've had tough times at my job. It's the same when you have a struggle with a friend or a relationship, like it's the same. So yeah, that's good. You said uh, that you became stronger physically as you became stronger spiritually. Yeah, they mirrored each other. It was amazing. Like as I was able to, you know, first I had to learn how to swim. God called me to do an Ironman, a two mile, 2.4 mile swim and I couldn't swim. And it was like- You couldn't swim at all? No. Wow. I had to learn how to swim. That was my first step is learning how to swim. But I was running. Um, I was a good runner. So I'd run half marathons and could run 15 miles. But I couldn't swim from here to the other side of the pool, like without wow. dying. So that it was 
is humiliating, honestly. But it was that, that like, it's really, God's always used that, uh, the swimming to remember, like, you're not so great. You know, remember, like, right. <laughs> you're not so great at this. Like, let's, let's drop it down a notch. But yeah, so that was. You know, really like, fun. sometimes I was thinking about <clears throat> how, like, as I've taken on things that were beyond my ability, you know, or realm of experience or really anything that any, I had no business doing some of the things that I've tried. And as I got, as I tried them though, like it really made me lean on God and that forced me to become better. Like, I'll be honest with you. I am right now for the, the last three days, it doesn't seem like a lot, but I'm not having any kava or kratom or smoking a cigarette. I'm doing a fast of those things for three days because I'm, I want God's help with some things that I'm, that I'm attempting to do that I, that I'm, that are above my head. And I think that when you push yourself to try something that's beyond your capabilities, you really have to lean on God. And, you know, for me, I, it's been a strong motivator to keep sin out of my life because I know that sin blocks the blessing and I need God's power to do a lot of the things that I'm attempting and I'm willing to be obedient and, and even if it hurts in the moment to get his power to help me with those things. Has that, has, have you felt that with the Iron Man, like as far as really needing like God's grace to do certain things that you felt like were above your ability? Yes. I mean, it was it's such a huge race. I mean, it's so long I and mean, that's, I didn't even know God at the time with, you know, or know the Holy Spirit, but a friend was talking about doing an Iron Man and she's like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And I was like, Oh, I could never do that. And it was almost like I had a tap on my shoulder. I even looked and I heard this kind of voice that like heard thunders or anything, but like, it was like, because you don't want to, or because you don't think you can. And it was like the Holy spirit. I know that now, but it was like, Oh, then I was like harassed all day, just hounded for like four or five months, like all the time, you know, it would just creep in and that, and I was like, please don't, please, I don't want to do this. It's too far. Like, it's really far. And then it was like, okay, fine. You know, fine. I'll, I'll start this. I don't even know what's happening here, but I'll go ahead and learn how to swim. At least I can do that. You know, I've always kind of wanted to learn how to swim anyway. So then you start there, but it was so far that I had to lean on God. You know, I'd always been a good student and I was a, a really a decent runner. So I had to lean on God to be able to do these other things. And I think that's part of the reason why it was so far is I because- you need, I needed to get to the end of myself. Yeah, no, I, I, it's funny when you, you felt that tap, like God knew about the book. You it's didn't like, know, right? No, you, I didn't know. You didn't it's know so about funny, the book. right? Like, yeah, he totally, he knew you wanted, he wanted to write a book through you about the Iron Man. And so I, when I, when you were saying that, I thought to myself, so in 2011 is when I rededicated my life to God, end of 2011, beginning of 2012. And I was having sex with my girlfriend, not, not, not literally at that moment when I rededicated, <laughs> I meant I was in a physical relationship with the, the girl I was dating and God started convicting me about the sex. And I was like, like kind of tried to ignore it for a little while, but he was persistent and he made it very clear, like that he was telling me to stop. And, and I think back to that and I'm like, he knew about the book. He knew that he wanted to write a right. book through me, the video, he knew about it all. And I had to cooperate with him. I didn't know about the book. I had no idea I was going to write a book about sex. I right. just knew he was telling me to stop. And it's like, it's pretty wild when you think about it. Cause he ha he's got this better thing that he wants to give you or do through you. And yes. all you have to do is submit. I mean, and then work your butt off, of course. Yes. Right. But, but yeah, like Romania, like that whole thing, like you had no idea that no idea. was coming. 
Yeah. Just, it makes me, you're, you're talking and I keep thinking, God, what's coming next? Like how exciting. Yeah, and it really <laughs> is. It's so cool. And you follow God because it's like, it's almost like a treasure hunt, you know, cause you don't know he's, he's got all these great plans for you and right. you're, you're just kind of figuring it out as you, you know, you're uncovering things and going down this path. It's not always exciting, obviously, yeah. but it's far, far bigger and better than anything that you would have probably imagined for yourself. Right. Well, I was looking through the book again last night and there was, I wanted to read this. It was one of it. It's, I don't say it was my favorite part, but it was like, I don't know. It just hit home last night. Um, most things worthwhile have a cost attached to them. Fulfilling dreams takes hard work, sacrifice, and humility. Often these aspirations bring the best experiences in life. And I think that happens with God too, that like these, you know, my football story, it was really difficult. I mean, it was a 15 and 16 year old girl. I completely ostracized myself from all my classmates. You know, I was made fun of, they talked about, my parents had to hear stories at the grocery store, you know, like it was not an easy thing, but it's one of the best stories of my life. And I had some really great coaches and people that really stood up for me and they have made a difference moving forward. And the Ironman is probably the greatest experience of my life so far. And if I hadn't said yes in that moment before I knew God, before I knew the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know anything about it. And it's like, it's, it's unbelievable. I was watching uh, last night. I pulled up a clip of the start of the Ironman, my Ironman race. Yeah. And, you know, it's like 2,400 swimmers and it's not such a great quality video, but I like got all choked up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in there. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm somewhere Do you have it there. that you can show us? Yeah, let's see if I can figure yeah, it out. Yeah, share your screen with us and show us. All right. So I'm going to do, let's see. Now, how many people finish that start? I'm curious. Do a lot of people quit in the middle of the race? Yeah. So hold on, let me go. I don't know. Let me see if I can turn this down a little bit. It's at about 50 seconds. So there was a gun. You didn't really hear it. But then there's 2,400 swimmers that take off all at the same oh, time man. and everybody's splashing in your face. And oh it's, yeah. It's, I actually had a practice ahead of time with people trying to drown me because it was, it's, I was yeah. too afraid I would not make it past this. Oh my gosh. Well, look at all those people. Yeah, I would die. I'm not a good swimmer. But it's just nuts. Cause it's like, it's massive. So how many people were in the race? I want to say it was around 2,400. Let me stop the share. Wow. Um, I don't have the exact number. I could look it up and how many people finished, but it's a, there's more volunteers than uh, people too. And that's exciting because, you know, the race goes, it's a 17 hour cutoff. Mm -hmm. You have to finish by midnight and it starts at seven. So, so what have you, you, I, you haven't done, have you done Ironman since then? Or do you all do ultra distance or what do you, I know you've been I doing. I did three <laughs> then. I did two in 2009. I did another one a few, a uh, couple months after the Three Iron Ironmans in one year? No, two in one year, two in two months. And okay. then one a couple years later. Okay. And it's, it's a lot of time. And, you know, I think it's good. I think it's because of the book. 
that I didn't know it then, but I was just ready to stop. And people are like, oh, you really haven't been doing this for this long that you want to retire already. But it was like, there's so many other things I want to do. And it, it really takes up an enormous amount of time to train like that. Um, so I stopped training at all, which is kind of, I did yoga a lot because I had some injuries I had to bounce back from. And then I came out of retirement a couple years ago and did a hundred mile ultra marathon. And then now I'm just running like three miles a day. So, <laughs> okay, cool. Like you said, to stay in shape, to feel good. So. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the, the 10 iron principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can we, can we list them out or? Sure. I'm going to just talk about a few of them. Um, sure. What are your favorites? How about that? You know, and it's funny because my favorites are not everybody else's favorites. Have you ever noticed that when you write stuff that you're like, oh, people are going to love this and they don't. And the thing you were like, I don't even know if I want to post this. You post it. Everybody loves it. I, I can't. That's just, I can't guess. I, know, what, I totally, totally know exactly what you're talking about. You're like frustrated. It's like, you're almost going to delete something. You're like, oh, I'll just post this and everybody loves it. And the thing I really pour into, they're like, right. Uh, so two of my, my two favorite principles, the, uh, so these are little tricks that I learned to be able to challenge your mind to be able to get through. There was, um, I volunteered at the end of an Ironman once, uh, I was, I did Ironman Louisville in 2011 and 2010, I went to volunteer because then you can guarantee a spot. You guarantee yourself a spot in the race the following year. And so I was at the finish line. I was a finish line catcher, meaning when the uh, athletes come across the line, they have a person assigned to them to make sure they're okay, to assess if they need the medical tent and, you know, they can be a little disoriented to help them get their medal and everything. And it was amazing how many athletes would literally cross the finish line and drop and then you would have to try to help them, but like they couldn't run another step, but it's like, you know, if it was actually 20 yards farther or a quarter mile farther, you would have been able to get there because it's not actually physical. It's here. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the tricks are designed to help get you to where you want to be in your head. First, my favorite is rounding the bend. And it's the premises of rounding the bend is when you start anything new, sometimes people are really great at things. You know, I mean, sometimes people just have natural skill, but a lot of us aren't very good at things. Like when I started even writing, like I read some of the stuff I wrote when I started swimming, when even when I started being a PA, you know, you just, everybody knows so much more than you and you just feel like you're never going to get it. Like running for the first two months, every workout feels tough and you just feel like you're just sucking it up and you're never going to get any better. And this is miserable, but there comes a point when that levels out and it starts to get better. And so whenever I go through anything that's tough, even, even in my job, when I've had, we've had a lot of change in my, in our department. So we've been dealing with that change. It's like, okay, in two months, it's going to, I'm going to feel better. It's going to level out. I just need to push through and get there. And I'm going to round the bend and I'm going to feel like I have some footing and I have some choices that I can make now because I have information. So yeah. that, that's the one I use all the time. Like Lori, Pastor Lori is, have, was one of the people that read my book. Uh, to kind of critique it her hers is a different one you know the one that she her favorite is different well the one that you just said it, rem it reminds me of something that i've told myself as i've went through some like hard patches where i just i would remind myself it's not always going to be like this like this is a season eventually it's going to pass you know if you can just persevere through it eventually it's going to break you know and you're going to be yeah. 
you know, life isn't gonna, This isn't going to be your life forever, you know, and I, I've had to remind myself that a lot as I've pushed for the goals. So yeah, like, like a, a year from person. now, is it going to look like this? And right. even in relationships with people, like sometimes people, you know, we get disappointed, we get hurt, like those are things that happen to everybody. And then maybe you want to push that person away. But like, two months from now, six months from now, 12 months from now, are things going to be different? You know, there's room for that. So I think we have to allow room for, for the change to happen and in our minds, not to beat ourselves down or get too down or depressed about it because it, it can change everything. Every, we can round the bend in anything. Were you tempted to quit? Oh yeah. All the, almost every day. Yeah. Then you, then you but you, not really, but then you go to bed and then you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm in it again. But you know, it's, it's hard. It's kind of like the book. Uh, you, you don't know how it's going to come together exactly. Like I was reading through an old draft and then I was reading through the actual book and I was like, wow, this is so much better than my first draft. That was terrible. But it, you don't know, you know? Yeah, no, it's so, it's good. Um, but you know, like if you quit, there'll always be that. What if, right. That that's, what's kept me going is about, I've always, you know, I, I would have regret because I'd always yeah, be wondering what if I would have pushed for what if I would have pushed a little longer, you know, right. so that's what's kept kept me from quitting and then mastering the reset. I talked a little bit about that, where it's what you just said. It's just like, go to bed, hit the reset button. And it's amazing what a good night of sleep will do, because you, you could wake up feeling completely different yep. than you did the night before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually an iron principle, too. It's called it's the eighth one. It's called some days just suck. You know, you don't do anything different. You don't eat anything different, but you run as hard. You feel like your time is slow. You, you, you don't understand why I'm struggling so much today. When a week ago I did the same thing and killed it. You sometimes you just have to go back and just, like you said, reset and restart again. Trust the process. But that's part of success, right? If you don't fail, failure is an inevitable part of success, but people don't think that, you know, yeah, so they what? see the success and then they think, oh, they just got there. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from the book was failure. Failure isn't a dead end, but an intersection to be negotiated. That's one it's of not, my favorites. It's not over until we stop trying to get it right. Yeah. But that's true, right? Because it's a spectrum. It's a line. If you stop here and you could have reached it here, then you just stopped here. And if you're not failing, you're not trying. Because if you're not failing, that means you're not pushing as hard as you could. You're not yeah. testing. You're not really testing your limits unless you're failing. Or it. You have to be uncomfortable too. There has to be some discomfort. Growth doesn't happen in your place of familiarity and in the, the known parts of your life, right? If you yep. feel comfortable all the time and love your little warm, cozy life, you're probably not growing at all. Yep. That was one of my favorite chapters was a comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. The string. Yeah. It was so funny because when you were mentioned that earlier about regret, it reminded me, you know, I asked my parents why they allowed me to do this, you know, play football because how many parents of a girl would allow them to do that you know and she said well we talked about it and we never wanted you to look back and regret not doing something because of us mm. like if you tried it and you failed or you tried it and you quit then you got to make that you know it got to be on you we didn't want it to be on us and i've always been super thankful for that and then i tried to live my life in that same way like i don't want to look back and think well what if i had like you said, what if I had toughed it out? What if I had tried? And and maybe the success looks different than you think it does, but I don't, I don't want that feeling. I yeah. Don't. Yeah. No, it's great. I, so this course that I've just launched the very first, <clears throat> the very first lesson, the first part of the first lesson was, uh, I don't know if you ever read the book regrets of the dying by Brownie wares. 
Mm-mm. So she was an Australian nurse and she basically worked in hospice for years with all these people that were dying. And the number one regret across the board for people was, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself. That was the number one regret for people. And it's exactly what you're saying, where people that they wanted to do something and they, and they, it wasn't their biggest regret. What's amazing. It wasn't over things that they tried and they didn't do. It was that they didn't even try, you know, and that is what you're saying is it's better just go out. and, And even if you fail, you know, give it your all. It might not work out like you thought it was going to work out and that's okay because that it could, there could have been a lesson in you for that, you know, and that failure that you were, that's going to help you down the road. You don't know. Right. So. Yeah. And we get in our head like, Oh, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want people to see me fail, but you think if I would have not finished the Ironman, people wouldn't have still loved me, but I mean, it's just, yeah. The story would have been different. The lesson would have been different. Right. Mm. But it's, I don't know. No one's going to think less of me for that. And if they do, like, do I want you in my circle? You know? Right. And fear, you know, and say fear comes from the enemy anyway, you know, it's the devil. So he wants to get you afraid of failing when that's. I try to never let fear dictate anything. I feel fear. Don't even like before this little podcast I did, but like, I try never to let it dictate what I choose to do because it's never a good indicator of anything. Well, give me another principle. Uh, My other favorite one is, Number nine, continuous forward motion. And this means that no matter how tiny the step you're you're taking, eventually you will get there, right? It's like when you were talking about the failure quote, the, the bad part is to stop. And, and maybe you can even stop and rest, but then eventually you have to keep going. If you keep going and you keep moving towards your dream or you keep moving towards the resolution of that situation, you will get there. there you will, it's just like physics. So just like if I keep running, if I keep moving physically, I will get to the finish line. That's also true mentally. That's true emotionally. It's true in every aspect. So when you get bogged down, when you feel like you just want to stop, just do one tiny thing or take a day off. And then the next day, do one tiny thing and then do one tiny thing. And eventually you start to see return on what you're doing. Like you round the bend, like eventually you'll start to see that things will start to come together. And then that's exciting. And that provides encouragement. And then you can keep moving. Yeah. Even the snail reached the arc, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It, it, it takes small steps and you'd be surprised over time. You look back and you're like, wow, I'm in yeah. a completely different place. Yeah. Yeah. Like if someone wants to write a book, hey, that's great. 250, 250 words a day. Start there. Eventually you'll, it'll be there. Right. Maybe you'll increase to 500 a day. Maybe you'll increase to whatever. But if you don't start somewhere, if you don't start. Or if you stop, then there's nothing, you know? Yeah. Well, tell me about the buoy to buoy principle. Yeah, that's Lori's favorite. So it, I was learning how to swim, right? So I was practicing in the pool and just gutting it out. And there was like this great day when my friend called me. She's like, oh, I just swam 25 minutes straight in the pool. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. Like I can barely swim like 500 yards. She's like, oh, you could. And I was like, no, no, I really can't. Like I've tried. She's like, just go try it again and just try to swim as slow as you can. So when she knew it, I went in the pool and swam for 25 minutes straight. So uh, most triathlons or long distance triathlons occur in like a lake or a river because it's just too long to do in a pool. So there's something very different about being in a lake. The, you know, the dirt is, it's really claustrophobic feeling because you can't see in the water like you can in the pool. You can see the lines on the floor. You can tell where you're going. There's lane lines. And then you're in like a muddy lake and you can't see anything. And so I was really nervous about it. 
and I was standing on the side of my first open water swim and I heard some other coach telling his athletes, he's like, how far do you have to swim? And they're like, to the next buoy. And there's like, and then after you reach that buoy, how far do you have to swim? To the next buoy. And so I was like, okay, I don't have to swim that far. I just, let me just chop it down and say where, you know, where's the next step I have to get to. And that's the thing too, is like, if you want to start a, you want to start a nonprofit or you want to write a book, it can seem huge. And then that's defeating, like it's discouraging. But if you think, okay, if I can write one chapter or if I can write, I can whatever, get my, yeah. the certification I need, or if I could, like, if you break it down into levels, then it can seem a lot more manageable. So buoy to buoy is breaking it down. Like what's the next thing you need to do? What's the next kind of milestone you need to reach? And to focus on that while remembering where you're going, like the vision, but then focusing on that one little step. Yeah, it's good. I call it chunking. I was talking yeah, to you by, yeah, <laughs> by a life coach. It was another uh, high performance coach where you're just like, okay, what is the one thing I can do this month? So if yep. you want to write a book, okay, I could go out and get a, a book cover designed, or I could go out and, you know, pick a name and buy a URL or you just break it down step by step yep. and little by little versus looking at the whole thing can be, like you said, very daunting. Yeah. Like I have all this to do. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Like that's what we say, right? There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. That's what I told God. Well, that wasn't really how it worked out. <laughs> that's so that's good, Kelly. So tell me uh, what's your favorite quote from the book or do you have a couple? Well, no, that was the one I read earlier was, um, that the aspiration, what we sacrifice for is what brings us the best experiences. I don't think that, you know, we're an immediate gratification culture and I don't think that those are the best things. I think the best things are the ones that, that we earn, that we work for and that we, that require us to dig, not just even in ourselves with a new space for ourselves in the world. Those are, those are what count. Those are what have meaning. You know, like when I look back at my life, it was never the easy things that stick out. You know, it was the tough things, the tough things that, that I learned from that I made it through. And again, I wasn't a great football player and I wasn't a great triathlete, to be honest with you. But the experience of just reaching a certain level, it, it was awesome. You know, yeah. one of my favorite quotes is uh, God is about every great moment in our lives, every great struggle. Yeah, that. he is. He is. And that's, that's the thing too. This was, this process was about him being like, Hey, I'm here. You know, like when you can't do it, I can, mm -hmm. you know, when you don't think you can make it through or all the way there, guess what? I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm here to help you. I'm here to, to be right alongside of you through this whole thing. I'll give you the power that you need. Like you were talking about, I'll give you the power and the strength to go that extra bit. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm here. But like before this started, I didn't know that. You know, I'd never, I probably only tried things, well, besides football that were really within my grasp, you know, within this, the gifting and the skills that God had given me in the first place. But it was, took me to get outside of, you know, I wasn't athletic. It took me to get outside of who I was as a person for me to be able to see that he was even there. Yeah. It's the only way your faith can grow is if you test it, you know, like if you don't ever have to lean on God, like, you know, Peter got out of the boat, you know, he's the only person that's ever walked on water besides Jesus, you know, yeah. but he had to get out of the boat. He had to get out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait till the small group comes out. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm finishing it up. So you're going to do a so video hopefully. series to go with each week. Are you going to have like a short video by you and then, or is it just going to be, I might, I might right now I'm working on just finishing the first draft and then I have to edit it because okay. my first drafts are 
you know, they need work. Okay, that's cool. So tell people, where can they find you, the book, all that? Uh, well, I am, I have a blog. It's at kaywhitebitch.com. I have a weekly blog that comes out and I just talk about different things. Sometimes it's about potential limiters. Sometimes it's just about things that are going on in my life. The current lessons kind of God is teaching me. Uh, but that's the best place to find it. The book is on Amazon. It's um, also in some stores. I'm not sure if it would be in a store by everyone, but it is. Um, and I am also um, going to be giving away a couple free uh, audio versions to people that subscribe uh, within the month of this podcast. So if you uh, feel like you're interested, go ahead and subscribe and then I'll enter you into the drawing for free audio copy. Yeah, everybody go over to our website and subscribe to our blog. She's a great writer and um, definitely inspire me. So thanks so much for, for having me on, Rob. I really appreciate it. No, I loved it. It's been a great conversation. All right, guys, well, that's it. Signing off. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification. I'll leave a comment below. Let us know what, what was your biggest takeaway oh, from our, our talk. Uh, if you're if you're watching on Facebook, please share it. You know, with somebody that you care about, or just share it on your page. Hit the thumbs up button, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. All right, I I, I stopped recording, so I think we're still streaming on Facebook. So hey, every yeah, why waiting works community. Kelly's a member of the group. She's been a member for a long time, and uh, very excited to have you on and. I'm definitely wanted to do this because I wanted to, we're not going to air this episode for a couple of weeks, but I uh, wanted you all to get a, get first access to it because you know, why not? Right. So anyway, go over and subscribe to Kelly's page uh, to her blog and um, pick up her book. And when the small group comes out to a small group study. All right, Kelly, I'm going to sign off. Okay. Thanks all so right. much, Rob. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye.